welcome to the Fit Vegan Podcast, the show where we help you optimize your health, fitness, and mindset on a whole food plant-based lifestyle. My name is Maxim Sigoy. I am a former triathlete, powerlifter, bodybuilder, and basketball player, and I've been vegan for over nine years. I'm also the founder and CEO of Fit Vegan Coaching, which has helped over 500 vegans from 20 different countries to completely transform their bodies and their health. I'm excited for you to hear today's episode. Let's get into the show. All right, Robbie, my man, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Really excited to be talking to you today. A fellow Ironman, somebody who understands. I love it. Yeah, un- understands the pain and the hours of training and the, you know, the uh, one part people talk about, like the gut discomfort of like having to consume so much food while you're racing and, and biking and jumping around when you're running. Well, you know, I mean, I, I'm lucky. I guess I feel lucky to say I didn't have much gut discomfort on my race days or, or along this journey. So maybe we can talk about that. But uh, I hear what you're saying about, you know, the pushing past the pain and when your brain is saying uh, it's time to stop. You know, that's, yeah. a, that's a good, uh, you know, life lesson right there. Yeah. What, what's the first one you did? So I did a half Ironman in Galveston earlier this year, and then I okay. did a full in Tulsa on uh, May 21st. Oh, where, so where is Tulsa? I'm Canadian. That's originally, Tulsa, so. Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay. Was it, uh-huh. so was it hot? It was actually, it, like, super- it wasn't that bad. It really wasn't. So, uh, you know, the swim starts pretty early. That was no problem. Uh, yeah. the bike maybe got a little hot, but the run conditions as I was on the run and I, you know, I had this goal of definitely, you know, being sub 12 and I'm doing the run. Obviously that's where you either win or lose it as far as like yeah. your own goals it comes down to the run. And the running conditions were incredibly good. Like it was nice. shaded. There were trees. I was like, Robbie, you cannot, you know, mess up this opportunity. Like you are yeah. here. You, you got through the swim. You got through the bike. Incredible conditions. I don't care how bad your legs hurt. You got to keep going. Yeah. So was that that was your first one, your first, first full, full? And then it was your first half, like basically at the Correct. beginning of the year. Yeah. So how were you like a swimmer, a biker, or a runner before? Which one I of have the three? Zero history. Well, I shouldn't say zero history. So biking, zero history. Okay. Uh, swimming, I mean, I learned how to swim as a kid, but zero competitive yeah, yeah. swimming. And yeah. then for running, the only history I had in that sport was one season of cross country, which was okay. my senior year of high school. But other than yeah. that, uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't run more than a couple of miles without some knee pain. I tried to set a goal of running a marathon during COVID, ended up with some, some knee pain there. And then yeah. finally, once I committed to this, I got the right coaches. I got the right physical therapy plan. And I, I fixed the, you know, the structure, not the structural issues, but like the weaknesses that were leading to that pain. And yeah. um, it's, uh, it's so fun to think of how I couldn't get a marathon done, but I went yeah. and I got an iron. Now you it's added like when, it when at the end. When you shift that mindset, like, wait, we're doing this whole thing, then oh, wait, all of a sudden the marathon's not such a big deal. And now yeah. it's a really big shift for me. Yeah, well, for sure. It's a third of the race, right? People are like, I want to run a marathon. It's like, I'm going to do that after I bike like 90 plus miles and after <laughs> I swim, then I'll run a marathon with you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely shifts your perspective as to what you think is possible for, for your body. No question. Um, how is the swim for you? Like, do they do, do they do like a massive group start where you're just like fighting with everyone trying to get ahead or do they do kind of like sequenced a lot of people? They they've the water? changed that. Yep. So okay. they do sequencing now. Uh, okay. I think in pretty much all the races, all the Ironmans. And, okay. uh, so in this case, you know, I went in pretty early cause I wanted to try and avoid as much heat as possible on the bike ride. Yeah. So I got in the water pretty early and it was in a, like a lake. So that was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. My next race is going to be in the ocean. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah. you know, swimming. Okay. I got it done like an hour and 16 minutes. So nice. decent, decent start to the day. Uh, nothing, nothing spectacular, but I got it done. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Running is one of those. Cause they used to do like group start. I haven't raced in three years. I think it's uh-huh. been three years since I last yeah. did my race. 
Yeah, when I, basically when I started my business, about three years ago. Um, and it was like, you're fighting, right? You're swimming, but like with your elbows, <laughs> you're trying to create some space, you're kicking hard. And yeah. when I say elbows, it's not to the head, it's just the person in front of you is kicking. So yes. you have to like not get your hand hit. So you're Correct. trying to make some space for yourself. I remember when I first started training, like I just got into this whole sport in October of 2022. So okay. this is all like uh, pretty new. And I remember yeah. the, the people I was training with, they were saying, people don't know this, but this is actually a contact sport. <laughs> there will be some people hitting. I'm like, that's interesting. And the thing is, you can't really prepare for it. You really only get to experience that through race days because you're not really going to yeah. have that training experience. Yeah, for sure. And that's why it's so important to put yourself in the right spot of like, should you be with the group ahead? If not, a bunch of people are going to go over you if you're too slow and kind of vice versa. You're going to have to go over people. But I didn't know that when I first started. I got kicked in the head a bunch um, because like (laughs) people were passing me because they were a lot faster than me on my first race. And you just get kicked around. You're like, I hate this. I need to like put my ego aside and be like, I'm actually slower. Let me start at the back with with people. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. So any new races that you're going to be training for or just taking a little break from it? Yeah, so the next race is, I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but um, it'll be November 4th. So it's coming up. Okay. Um, It's going to be in Panama City, Florida. Nice. And so you got an ocean swim. Then you have a pretty flat bike ride and a flat run. Heat shouldn't be that bad in early November. We'll see. I've talked to people who've done the race and they say the ocean conditions very dramatically like it could be brutal <laughs> and it could be beautiful so we'll yeah. see yeah so you're gonna get your electrolytes through your swim because you're gonna swallow some of that ocean water there you go as you're swimming. <laughs> you'll be stocked up by the time you get on the bike <laughs> that's really funny yeah yeah the 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 wave is the condition changes i think one of the ones i did was in the ocean as well and that was my first one and the waves were crazy. They were trying to put the buoy out so you knew where to turn. And right. the guy was just rowing for like 15 minutes, but the boat <laughs> was staying in the same spot. And then we had to go swim in it, oh right? God, so you're funny. swimming and then you're on top of a wave and you fall down. So your body just hits the water and you're trying to get out. And it's a lot of fun. Totally. <laughs> I love, Absolutely. I love, yeah, yeah. I love it. It's a great sport. I'm getting back into it as well. So I'm happy we started the conversation with that. I awesome. Was like, When's your next race? Uh, I don't know. I haven't committed to uh, a race yet, but when I was competing, I did. I trained for maybe two and a half years um, in the half Ironman distance. Nice. I finished top 5% in the world in my age group at the time incredible. Um, with a background in bodybuilding and powerlifting. <laughs> don't, That's no, I don't swim, I don't bike, don't run. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm built for this shit, right? I'm 6'4", I'm lean. Yeah. I'm like, I should do more of it. So mm-hmm. now I'm getting back into it um, to trying to, you know, I like to win a race. Like I just... Let's go. Let's do this. It, so this top five percent did that qualify you for world championships? Uh, no. So the system is a point system, right? So you have to do yeah. a certain amount of races to be able to qualify for it. Got if it. I would have continued, I yep. would have qualified. Yeah. Um, but I only did two races because Max at the time. I remember my story a little bit. She had cancer, so I had to like stop racing to take care of her some more. Right. Um, yep. But yeah, if I continue to do more races, I would have qualified for it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Let's let's set the goal of qualifying together, man. That that that's my goal. I want to I want to make it to world championships. Perfect. For I, half I or missed full? first race. I missed it by one minute and six seconds. For your half? <laughs> for the full. For the full? Oh, yep. really? Yep. Ah. Yep. Oh, you can do that. Then you now that you I, I, know I, I, that. That's the goal. But it, as you know, it always, it comes down to the technicalities that the audience probably doesn't need to know. But it's a roll down system, right? So yeah, there's certain people who their time was a little bit better than mine, but they didn't want to go to world championships, right? So it's like okay, yeah. the next time potentially qualifies. So I finished twentieth uh, in my age group in that particular race, and yeah. the person who was nineteenth took the last of the five spots. Yeah. So that's that's how that ended up happening. But um, if I continue to improve my times, uh, it, it, it should happen. Yeah, yeah. which is your transition time. Could You could make it up there too. 100%. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I was listening to a podcast in preparation for, the, for this show. I think you were like, I think you mentioned you're 31, like three years. You're like 34 years old right now? 35. You're 35. Close. So what age, you're in the 30 to 35 age group, right? For racing? I think it's 35 to 39. Okay, so that's the new one. So that's like the most competitive one because people have been training for longer. So it's it's good that you finished 20th in your age group. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's because of how you're eating. I mean, that's, hey, I think that's a major advantage, or not advantage, I think it's helpful. Um, yeah. You know, I think, I think when it, honestly, when it comes to these sports, I think, I don't overstate, uh, I don't like to overstate like what food is going to do in these situations. It's definitely helpful, but at the end of the day, what matters in these sports is your training. Period. No questions asked. It's your training. It's your consistency. It's your sleep. There's plenty of people in all sports who have the worst nutrition and are some of the best in the world. And actually, statistically speaking, of all the athletes, majority of them actually have worse nutrition than good nutrition. So yeah. I don't like to overstate that. But um, for me, the health part is about my quality of life, about what's going to yeah. happen to me 20 years, 40 years, 50 years down the road. That to me is more important than, um, you know, considering any of these other, you know, performance enhancing ideas. Even some of them yeah. aren't even like necessarily that like, they're not like illegal, but they might not be that yeah. healthy. So yeah. I just, you know, keep it simple, folks. I'm a health first and then do my best. This is a, I'm a recreational athlete. I'm an amateur athlete. It's for fun. It's for my own self-respect, my own um, you know, journey and, and growth as a person. And I'm just out there competing against myself, really just trying to become better every day in training and uh, increase, you know, my, my, uh, success at every race from my own, uh, times and really enjoy the process. Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely that component of, uh, and you do get addicted to it, just beating your time every single race. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, but yeah, there's there's things to consider as you move along because you can go a very down unhealthy road 100%, when you're when you're 100%. when you're competing for sure. Yeah. Um, and you can go down the expensive road of paying fifty thousand dollars for a bike because it's like two grams lighter and it's a <laughs> it's a different ball game once you get into totally, it. Totally. Uh, but just to segment out of of triathlon because I'm sure we can talk about this for about an hour because there's a lot to say. Um, so obviously you're the co-founder of, of Mastering Diabetes, which I you know had the opportunity to have Cyrus on the show before. So very excited that we kind of get to do this together. I'd love to hear your personal journey with, with diabetes and can, kind of how you and Cyrus came about building Mastering Diabetes. Yeah, Cyrus and I have had a lot of fun together. We started Mastering Diabetes officially in 2017, and we were you know had our own journeys to you know, getting into, you know, diabetes coaching, diabetes education. So my journey started with just getting diagnosed in January of 2000, January 26, 2000. That's over 23 years ago now. I'll never forget the day. I essentially self-diagnosed myself. I was thirsty all the time. I was going to the bathroom all the time. And I told my mom, I said, mom, I'm pretty sure I have diabetes just like Steve. So my older brother was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes nine years okay. prior to me. So I'm the youngest of three brothers. The middle one, Steve, he's living with type 1 diabetes himself. And so I was very familiar with the condition. And I'm like, Mom, this is not looking good. And she's like, oh, don't be silly. You don't have diabetes. So with some more time passed, she was out of town. But then my mom, we were living in Minnesota at the time. My parents were in Florida looking for homes that we were going to move to. And my mom called to check in and she said, how are things going? I said, mom, I couldn't sleep last night. I was cramping. She said, okay, go upstairs, use your brother's blood glucose meter and test yourself. Sure enough, and I, I did. I was well over 400. So that's four times what I should have been. And my yeah. brother said right then and there, you have type 1 diabetes, pack your bag. You're going to be in the hospital for a few nights. So we went to the regular doctor. They ran a few tests. I'm not sure exactly what test they run. They ran. I'm actually very curious to figure out which what they did. If it was a C peptide or something like that, but uh, they ran some tests. They said, "Yep, you're living with type one diabetes." My brother was in the room. That was the first time I've ever seen him cry. He was just, oh, he's like, "Oh man, I'm just like, I'm sorry, you have to experience this, just the inconveniences yeah. of it." And my parents flew back the next day, and I remember my dad just saying you know, look, you can do whatever you want in life is just an inconvenience. So for those who don't know, type one diabetes, that's, that's an autoimmune version of diabetes. We don't know the cause of type one or type 1.5. So yeah. we're still trying to figure that out. But it's basically where the beta cells in my pancreas have been damaged. And I don't produce my own insulin. And you can, you can get mm -hmm. a test to sort of get an idea of how much insulin you're producing along your, your journey of, of living with any form of diabetes. That's a yeah. C-peptide test. 
myositis peptide is, is, is undetectable. So I'm essentially producing no insulin. The only way for me to usher glucose out of my bloodstream into my cells is to inject exogenous insulin. So yeah. that was my, my sort of diagnosis story. And at the time we were living in Minnesota and my parents wanted to make sure we had the best medical care possible. So they said, okay, we're gonna take you and Steve to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Some of the best medicine we, you know, we can possibly get you access to. And while I went there, they never said anything about insulin resistance. They never said anything about eating foods in a way that could protect me from the short-term challenges of blood glucose fluctuations and the long-term consequences that people living with diabetes end up experiencing. This was not part of the conversation. At the yeah. time, I was 12 years old. I was in middle school. And their focus was on making sure that I felt normal. It was really about, okay, just keeping it so I could fit in, I could eat whatever I wanted to eat, just learn how to dose properly, learn how to count the carbohydrates properly, try and do some of the basics. And they told my mom, okay, it's important for him to have one serving of fruit at dinner. And I'm telling you, my parents, my, my dad, he's like an entrepreneur, he owns some furniture businesses, and he, uh, my mom took care of the kids. She followed the plan. Like she was willing to do what they told her to do. She would eat the yeah. recipes that they gave her. Uh, she'd make the recipes that they gave her for my brother and I and my older brother. And when they said, make sure he has one serving of fruit at dinner, she followed the guideline. But so what did yeah. that mean? That meant having strawberries with powdered sugar on top. That meant <laughs> having mandarin oranges in a can with high fructose corn syrup. She didn't yeah. know any better. Like there was no education. That, that's the thing. Yeah. That's what's crazy out there. So I begin my type one diabetes journey following the standard American diet. And I've developed some standard American problems. As a teenager, I had terrible cystic acne, like really bad. Like I, my mom, again, they took me to the dermatologist and these are like expensive treatments and expensive appointments. Like just trying to do the best for the kids. Um, yeah. They would give me laser treatments. They would like, do this microdermabrasion thing. They would put me on, they give me creams, they gave me pills. Eventually they put me on Accutane, which is the most serious yeah. drug you can possibly take. My parents had to sign a waiver because some people have committed suicide on that drug. So I have that yeah. symptom. I had allergies year round. I took Claritin D to try and handle that situation. I was a competitive tennis player and I struggled with plantar fasciitis. That was frustrating. And yeah. I would say overall, I didn't have that much energy. So I'm experiencing some of these problems and I end up going on this journey of trying to learn a little bit more because my dad was selling supplements. That was my entry point into this idea that there's things we can do. Like, this, like he had these pamphlets he would give out. And the pamphlets would say things like, well, the soil is depleted. That's why you need to buy these supplements. It was just the beginning of this thought process of, okay, wait a minute. Like the things I'm eating is actually impacting my health. That started to open yeah. up some doors. Eventually, I stumbled across a book. I am not recommending this book. Okay, the guy who wrote it has since gone to jail. There's been some fraud problems. I'm not recommending it, but this book changed my life. It was called Kevin Trudeau's Natural Cures They Don't Want You to Know About. This guy was very popular, very handsome guy. The book cover was purple. He was on infomercials. I guarantee some of your listeners remember this guy. And that book planted the seed in my mind that maybe it's possible to reverse type one diabetes. To this mm -hmm. day, we don't have a solution for reversing type one diabetes. But what that did is it sent me on this mission to do anything and everything to heal from the inside out. Like I wanted to revert, the goal and the, the, the mindset shift that happened when I read the book was like, if I can take care of my inner environment, maybe my body can start producing its own beta cells. I started learning about people like Bruce Lipton. Uh, he yeah. wrote a book called The Biology of Belief. And I really started to have this mindset of like, okay, like why can't my body just, why can't the stem cells inside my body go and create some new beta cells? The, the, it's a very complex problem. That's a whole other story for another day. I still think we're going to figure this out in, in a natural way where we're not going to be dependent on medicine or hospitals or surgeries or you know injected stem cells i think we will figure this out 
from the inside. But nonetheless, I go on this mission and I'm willing to do anything. Maxim, I'm willing to do anything into this day, okay? And that mm-hmm. takes me to try all kinds of different approaches. And I end up working with a naturopath. She's got me doing you know, different diets and avoiding certain foods. She's got me on supplements, homeopathic remedies. I end up trying the Weston A. Price Foundation diet. I end up stumbling across Gabriel Cousins. He's teaching a very low carb uh, diet. He has a movie that became very popular um, where they basically say that Kurt Tyson reversed type one diabetes. It's not really the case. That's another story for another day. I got in touch with Kurt Tyson, really cool guy. But bottom line is I end up following a low carb plant-based diet. Again, at the time, keto wasn't really a thing, but it really yeah. was a plant-based ketogenic diet, which we wrote about in the Mastering Diabetes book. Most people don't really know what that is, but bottom line is I was having no more than 30 grams of net carbohydrate per day. And yeah. as a person living with type 1 diabetes, we have fantastic feedback on what lifestyle choices make us more insulin sensitive or more insulin resistant. So when I'm doing this low carb diet, for every one gram of glucose I consume, I needed to inject one unit of total insulin over a 24 hour period. Let's call that a one to one ratio. Yeah. Once I ended up switching to a low fat plant-based whole food diet, I now consume over 10 grams of glucose for that same one unit of insulin. That is a 900% change in insulin sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who wants to get in the technicalities out there, when I say one gram of glucose, I mean one gram of glucose. I'm going into chronometer. I'm going into these modern day nutrition logging softwares. I'm removing fiber and I'm removing yeah. fructose because fiber and fructose do not require insulin to be metabolized. Yeah. So this is pure glucose to insulin, 900% change in insulin sensitivity. And this just changed my entire life. I, my skin cleared up. My plantar fasciitis went away. I don't take any other allergy medications. I don't get sick. I feel amazing. You know, it, it was just absolutely life-changing. So I got passionate about this topic. And the passion I have for the whole conversation of insulin sensitivity is reinforced every single day. Because every time I eat food, I have this personal experience of, wow, like, I'm really insulin sensitive. Or if I make a decision that's not in my favor, oh, wow, that made me insulin resistant. I see it immediately because I'm yeah. using insulin to manage my blood glucose. Yeah. So what? So you mentioned like when you discovered Gabriel Cousins, which I remember the Gabriel Cousins, Dr. Sebi. I don't know if that is those, those I've days. I've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you did low fat, sorry, low carb plant base. So was Correct. that your transition to, to stopping consuming animal product? And was it because of Gabriel Cousins or was there another reason that led you there? Okay, that's a great question. So we, let's take, let's go back to um, like September-ish of 2006, all right? Okay, so I you're like 18 at that point. So that's like over 17 years ago, right? I'm a freshman at the University of Florida in Gainesville. I am following the Gabriel Cousins approach. I learned about that while I was at college. And I'm doing this full on. And I'm also sort of learning about, um, well, actually take a step back. Before I got to the Gabriel Cousins stuff, I was into like natural living and whatnot. And I was following the Weston A. Price Foundation. And Weston A. Price Foundation is a group Again, like I love all these groups. I love Gabriel Cousins. <laughs> I love the Western Price people. I love the keto people. I love the carnivore people. We all have way more in common than we don't. Like we, yeah. that's, that, oh, that whole group of people is spending a lot of time and energy to try and heal naturally and not trying to rely on the pharmaceutical industry and you know garbage processed foods. Like there's really a, a lot in common amongst all those different groups. So. At this time, I'm learning from the Weston A. Price crew. And they're teaching that grass-fed beef is really important It's because that's way more natural than the stuff coming from the factory farms. They're mm-hmm. teaching that it's really important to drink raw milk because in the past, we never had pasteurization. Like, that's not good for you. So I'm doing the best to follow their teachings. 
and I'm simultaneously on an online forum. It was called G Living. G Living was a website. It was on this thing called the Ning Network. And it was where people who were into like high-end green stuff. Let's say you wanted like a really fancy mango dinner table, right? Let's say you wanted like really like a high-end eco house or something. I'm just like on this forum. And these people were into the gourmet raw food. Like they're using their dehydrators, they're making this really fancy, you know, crackers and and all this stuff. And I'm like, hey guys, you know, I think it's really important that you consume raw milk and here's why. So I'm basically repeating what I'm learning from the Western A. Price Foundation. And remember, at this stage in life, I am purely focused on healing type 1 diabetes. Like it is yeah. all about health for me. That's it. I just want to do whatever is the healthiest thing for my body so it can regenerate its own beta cells. That's what I'm focused on. So we have a conversation on this board and somebody says, hey, have you ever seen the movie Earthlings? They just say it in a really kind way, you know, just like, and at that time it was available for free on Google video. I since bought the movie to pay because they, they, Sean Monson like deserves my money of buying the DVD. So, uh, but I go and I watch this movie and the movie Earthlings is, it's really an animal rights video. It's focusing on, maybe maybe I shouldn't characterize as that. It's it's a video about veganism and the different aspects of why people should consider this and how are animals treated in the circus, how are how are animals treated in the world of pets, how are animals treated in uh, like food, uh, clothing, and maybe there's another category. But at, I watched that movie, and the thing that I walked away with was I can't believe. I'm a freshman at a well-respected college and I didn't know any of this information. I can't believe I didn't really know where the meat I was consuming was kind of like was truly coming from or even just how animals are treated in general. The whole thing was just like mind-blowing to me. And I said, wait a minute. These people on this forum, they know some things that I don't know. I am now open and curious to hear about these other health things that they were sharing with me. And yeah. that was when this, you know, these gourmet raw food people, this is what sort of got me into learning about raw food in general. I started listening. There were some podcasts at the time. Like raw food kind of had its heyday. And that was, that yeah. was part of it. It's kind of faded since. Yeah. But, it was the, um, is that the freely, the banana girl, the Ian Ryder type of days? It, it sort of like predates that a little bit, but it leans into okay. it. Yes. It's kind okay. of like all happens around, around the same time. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's how I got into Gabriel Cousins. It was through the G Living community. It was through people telling me to watch this movie, Earthlings. It opened up my mm-hmm. mind. Um, and, you know, I continue, and to this day, I continue to, you know, pursue my health uh, first and foremost. I've learned yeah. a lot about how our food choices impact animals, the environment, um, you know, workers, like how people are treated in the working environment. Like there's a lot of factors here and yeah. I believe all of them are important, but I really, I focus on the health component. Okay. And so when you transition to doing low carb plant-based, that's also when you notice a change in your skin and your energy and all these additional things on top of having a, you know, you mentioned 900% increase in sensitivity. So hundred percent. So you, this is a great question. So did I start to see benefits and so it was roughly September 2006. That's when I started doing the Gabriel Cousins thing, like September, October-ish. Um, and then like November is when I learned about Doug Graham and Frederick Patnude, and I start trying to do this on my own. And then December 2006 is when Doug Graham's 801010 book comes out. And that's yeah. when I do a consultation with him. So Cyrus and I both are students of Doug Graham and he, he transformed our lives uh, rapidly. So when I did coaching with him, like my life changed. And that's part of the reason we're so passionate about coaching, but, um, but yeah. So, so you went basically 80, 10, 10 is, is, is high carb, low fat, lower protein. So you went from, how was that transition going from Gabriel cousins, low carb plan based, and now you're going like literally on the full on opposite spectrum. I think you mentioned eating 30 grams of net carb per day. Correct. You probably had, that was like half of one meal when you went 80, 10, 10. It's so fun to talk to somebody like you who really understands the nuanced details of these numbers. So 
So the point I forgot to make there was that when I started transitioning and doing the Gabriel Cousins plant-based low-carb thing, there were some benefits, right? I was no yeah. question. Like, like you said, skin starting to clear up. Like it was definitely the beginning of me really starting to piece this together of like overall health. But it wasn't yeah. until I finally got to the, the fruit-based version that things mm-hmm. really started to accelerate. And yeah. so, yeah, that transition was fascinating. And so, again, as a person living with type 1, we're you know, injecting insulin every time we, we want to eat any significant amount of food that, you know, that contains carbohydrate energy. So yeah. what I saw happening immediately was how my insulin sensitivity was improving dramatically. And what ends, what ends up happening is when you're type 1, you're basically injecting based on a certain ratio. It's like, oh, if I'm going to have 100 grams of carbohydrate and my ratio is 10 to 1, then I'm going to inject 10 units. That's how much yeah. insulin I would need to eat the 100 grams of carbohydrate. And that's actually a quite common ratio. Whereas yeah. now, you know, with everything of the mastering diabetes method, where we just stack and stack and stack all the things that we possibly know about that improves insulin sensitivity, we just yeah. stack them on top of each other. And that is why our results are so extraordinary. So now I'm injecting 50 to 1, 75 to 1, even sometimes uh. 100 to 1 if it's later in the day. Now, that's yeah. total carbohydrate right there. So, yeah. again, the nuanced details. When I was doing the plant-based version, it was 30 grams net carbohydrate. But it was closer to like 70 total because there was mm-hmm. a significant amount of fiber. The Gabriel yeah. Cousins program has a lot of greens. Okay, When, yeah. you're, when you're consuming nuts and seeds, you're getting a good amount of fiber in there. Um, so the foods that he caught were, that were, you know, was on his program included a good amount of fiber. But yeah. the change that happened... It was dramatic. I mean, Doug Graham, the dude doesn't play around. So I, we've actually reconnected recently, and um, he is my strength and conditioning coach now. So okay. we meet on WhatsApp about you know three times a week, uh, maybe a little more, and we do these video sessions of, of working out together. And for a man who's, I think he's closing in on 70 years old, he's yeah. ridiculously strong, and he's actually one of the strongest men in the United Kingdom. He's trying to qualify for worlds and all that. But anyways, Doug's a great example himself. But when we first started out, the first week, Maxim, all I ate was bananas. Literally bananas and nothing else. The second week, I was able to add lettuce, okay? Okay. So he really, and and it's funny, you know, um, Andrew Taylor, has become really famous for he does like a potato cleanse he helps people with. There's the idea of starting out that way. First off, we don't teach that at Mastering Diabetes, okay? We we teach a much different, slow, steady approach. But the idea of these, you know, mono experiences are very much focused on the mental aspect of having you get in touch with what is true hunger. That Mm -hmm. to me is even more powerful than just like the simplicity of the food. It's the mental breakthrough uh, of learning, okay, why do you eat? Why are you reaching for food? Are you really hungry? Because if you truly were hungry, you would be happy to munch on some bananas or some lettuce. But if you're not true, if you're not experiencing true hunger, those things don't really call to you. You're really eating for other reasons. So it yeah. was just a great experience. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Because I, I guess you wouldn't. No one would really have a lettuce craving. You know that if you're actually, if you're, if you're starving, you're gonna eat whatever's in front 100%. of you. Hundred percent. That is a yeah. that is a true Doug Graham teaching right there. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, have you heard of Banana Island with with? Fruity? I have heard of it. Yes, absolutely. So, so it was like thirty bananas, thirty bananas a day for a day for a week or something. It was something that I did it a while back. Yeah. Yeah. It was like banana smoothie, banana ice cream, just bananas, and you just kind right. of yeah, you just kind of get creative with it. Um, totally. But I think there is something to also the digestive aspect of eating mono meals and your body no just question. digesting the same thing for you know a short period of time. Yeah. Because sometimes we get very complex with some of the meals where I see some salads in there and there's like, I reckon, 30 different plants and nuts and seeds and things. Yeah. And then some people have a harder time digesting it. I'm glad you brought this up because this is, I think this is an important conversation. We're really getting to the nuances today. And I think that's fun. So um, Doug Graham likes to say simplicity at your meals, variety in your diet. And I, I like that. I think that's a great concept. And now, yeah. we, you know, in 2023, we have a lot of new, fascinating data emerging about the gut microbiome, 
and diversity. And so I'm, I'm in favor of that, right? And so if somebody does want to have a salad with 30 different ingredients, that's cool. Like, that's great. I think the, the mono eating, the simplicity, that can come into play and be beneficial when needed, right? Like when there's something digestive going on that you want to clean up, but you don't want to stay there long term. You don't, you don't want to just eat like a couple of different foods for an entire yeah, year. Yeah. It, it's always a short term thing. It's always like a, a, a you know, re, like restoring, you know, treating something that might be going on and then adding things back intelligently. So um, I'm, I'm actually a big supporter of it for people who feel ready and called to it, but also, um, you know, I've evolved personally to adding more ingredients to my meals. Like there was this period of time, this still exists on the internet for anybody who wants to go see it. I documented every single morsel of food that went in my body for 365 consecutive days. I took a picture of every meal. I took, I did the chronometer nutrition breakdown and then yeah. I had like the screenshot of like all the different details of how many, I even analyzed the water content of each meal uh, yeah. and, and I documented every insulin injection and every blood sugar reading for 365 consecutive days. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you a link for people who want to click, you know, below the show and go see that. It's healthyoptimist.smugmug.com. But um, I, my meals were far simpler back then than they are now. It's always been the same foods. My diet has not changed in 17 years as far as the yeah. foods, but I'm, I'm certainly uh, enjoying and, and happy to include more ingredients um, in small amounts. So one, one thing I think that's important to know is you don't need to have large amounts of particular ingredients in order to receive the benefits of increasing yeah. the diversity in your gut microbiome. So if you're gonna make a salad, adding a little bit of sunchokes, which is something probably most people are not eating, is cool. It, it's good. It's fun. You don't have to have a ton, just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I had a thought about what, what you shared for, for the mono meals, but it, it went away. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll come back. Um, but I, I would like to talk about the 80-10-10 because you, I've been debating on this lately. Um, and then I'm happy that we're having this conversation because you're, you're living it right now. You're basically living 80, 10, 10, if it's fair yes, to assume, for sure. right? Yeah. So I've done 80, 10, 10 in the past when, oh, when I first went vegan. So maybe like eight, I went vegan nine years ago. So nine plus years, so maybe like eight, nine, eight years ago, I did 80, 10, 10 felt incredible, right? When raw vegan as well, felt great. Bad timing. I did it in the middle of winter in Quebec, Canada. I was fucking freezing. <laughs> it was cold. Sure. It was a cold winter. Yeah. Um, but I felt good on the 80-10-10. But, you know, looking at, at, a, at, at not performance, but a shift in body composition, yeah. I've never had any luck with being able to build more lean muscle mass and kind of keep a lower body fat percentage on 80-10-10. Uh, but to be fair, I've never tracked my calories while I was doing it. So I know that's an important component because maybe I was just severely under eating and my body was just like, like go to muscle mass, right? There's too much for us to maintain on how little you're eating and how much you're operating. So I'm like, I'm curious a little bit to just document an experimentation of like, can I shift my body composition on 80, 10, 10, if I'm like properly strength training and monitoring my calories and the actual ratios? Thing it'd be something interesting but i love your your thoughts on the body composition part because a lot of people come to to you guys and, and to me like i'm eating whole food plant base but my body composition is terrible yeah i'm like well you know the proportion sometimes matters but i love your take on that so this is a great topic and my, what i always say to people is you know if you know you're looking for a certain body composition you want to achieve a certain goal i advise people to go to a teacher, go to a resource who has what you want, okay? There's a lot of amazing leaders in the world of plant-based nutrition. So if you're committed to plant-based nutrition and you wanna look a certain way, either go to the person who looks the way you wanna look or mm -hmm. they have a laundry list of clients who they have been able to support to get what you want, right? Yeah. So like, if somebody wants, to, if you want a certain composition, you wanna look like, really big and be strong i mean start studying what's simon hill doing right what's yeah. nimai delgado doing right like that's that's if that's your priority boom go there um 
as far as like 80, 10, 10, raw vegan, you're, you're not going to look like Simon Hill. I think he's a, he's a great example of this because he's such yeah. a polar, polar opposite of my physique, right? I'm intentionally trying to be as light and strong as possible. That's the combination yeah. I want. I want light and strong. I don't, I don't want to become bigger. I don't, want, yeah. I don't want extra mass. I want strength. So yeah. people oftentimes confuse strength and size. It's not yeah. the same thing. And so, you know, that's why oftentimes people talk about their strength to weight ratio. That kind of, you know, sort of like levels the playing field a little bit. But, yeah. um, you know, can you gain some size on 80-10-10? Sure. You can get, you, that's going to be based on your training, your yeah. caloric intake. Um, but you're not going to be big. You're just not. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. um, mastering diabetes and what we do with our coaching program you know, just to be clear, like that coaching program, like my main focus and purpose in life is helping people who have a chronic disease reverse that disease. The vast majority of people we work with, they're not athletes. They're not looking to be athletes. They're looking to drop 100 pounds, 75 pounds, 50 pounds. They're, they're, yeah. not, they're not really completely concerned about like their strength and muscular appearance. So that's like a whole different conversation, right? It really it all depends on your goals and what you're trying to achieve. And we help people, you know, whatever. We definitely have some athletes, right? They get inspired by what Cyrus is doing, what I'm doing, and then we, we help them. Um, and it, there's, there's such a wide range of ways to implement a plant-based diet. There's a wide range of ways to adjust your macronutrient ratios to get where you want to get to. And yeah. to me, it just really comes back to picking coaches that have what you want yeah i think that's a great point I, I remember my conversation with cyrus we kind of both agreed on the like the 1.6 gram per kg of body weight if you're looking to improve your body composition but but then a lot of people are like well you know dr gregor dr clapper are saying like 0 0.8 gram per kg i'm like you can do that and you will be healthy and you will live a very long time right if Correct. your goal is body composition there's a different game that you have to play the slightly Correct. different things right you don't yep. need to be necessarily more more muscular i i'm the same as you i don't i used to be really big i used to be 240 pounds when i was bodybuilding and powerlifting and wow. i'm six four so just to put it into context yeah um but oh man you just my butt was so big i turn around and i knock shit from the counter i didn't even know it was there you're just out of breath when you're climbing the stairs and i was like i i, I miss my iron man days yeah where you can just like you can do anything. You're not out of breath. You're not out of energy. You just feel athletic. You're, you're limber. You can move around and you just feel so great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you got to pick the physique that you want. 100%. I couldn't, that, that's the bottom line. There's not any right or wrong, better. It's what do you want and, and that's what you should get and just put in the work. Yeah. So a uh, question I want to ask you. So you mentioned, so type 2 diabetes people can, it would be through the nutrition or lifestyle changes that would cause them to get type two. Right. So Correct. I've, I didn't ask this to, to Cyrus, but I'm gonna ask you like, what's, what's the cost of the insulin per month on average, if you are to not watch your nutrition, not do the wrong thing and then get type two diabetes, like what's the, what's the cost of not having taken care of that? Cause obviously if it's autoimmune. You just got to deal with it and kind of work on improving it. But if it's self-created, like what's the, I don't say consequence, but what's the cost of that? So the average cost of type two diabetes per year ends up being roughly $13,000. Okay. That's the average. Okay. Like but a grand a month ish. In reality, a most, I shouldn't say most. A lot of people, especially the people that we work with, like our, our clients, people we, we support, they end up having insurance and they don't okay. really, it's not really that much of a thing for the majority of people. It certainly is for some people, but like the cost of insulin and the out-of-pocket for people who are living with type 2 diabetes, it's, it's usually covered by insurance. Okay. Okay, cool. And now even, just... even for me, like again, full transparency, like I can't even really like answer that question as a type one, right? I don't, I, I, I have a deductible, I have a copay, you know, and I, it, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't really impact my life like that much, the cost of, of diabetes. And that's because I'm lucky, right? I'm lucky that I have good insurance. Um, yeah. so yeah. 
Man, with the brand you guys have, you should just have your own insulin brand <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I would love to do that. I would love just white label it idea. with one we of would, the other companies. We would certainly um, we'd be a heck of a lot more fair about it, right? Because there's been a lot of yeah. news sharing about how you know the price of insulin is not um, the cost of making it and what they're the charging is, is too are... big of a gap. Too big of a gap. So we would obviously uh, just give it to people for whatever it costs to make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be a good move. Yeah. Anyways, I'm always thinking of like business ideas. It's always I love it's, it. It's a good, Dream it's a good big, upsell. man. Dream big. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, Rob, you would like to ask you a few questions about about coaching. So, obviously, yes, you please. and Cyrus have been coaching people for a long time. What are what are some of the traits that you notice in people that have more success in in your coaching? So okay. people can be like, oh, I have this, I have this. I can move forward or like, oh, maybe I need to acquire some of these things. Number one is openness to be coached, like a willingness to be humble and be like, okay, like I'm not going to argue with you. I'm going to be curious. I, I respect your experience, your opinion. Like I'm going to go gain knowledge because if you're not willing to be coached, it's not going to go very far. And yeah. so if you come in and be like, okay, I, I'm going to try this. So that's number one. Number two would be vulnerability. The coach can't help you if you're not willing to tell the truth. And, yeah. and, and, and like some, what happens is people will they'll have a challenge, which is normal. You're the coach yeah. is ready and prepared to help you through that challenge. But they feel so embarrassed that they maybe don't show up to their group call or they're not yeah. fully transparent in their group call because they just feel embarrassed. And if you can let go of that, and understand, okay, look, everybody in the group understands, or if it's just with your private coach, your coach like is not going to judge you. The more honest and vulnerable you can be about the challenges, the more frequently you can interact with your coach. Like we encourage daily texting in our coaching programs, whether it's private or group. We want that honesty, that vulnerability as close to in the moment as possible. So you don't sort of go down this spiral of trying to do it all on your own and feeling guilty and embarrassed. Let, let's, in, let's intervene as a community. Let's let your coach intervene and let's start like reprogramming and changing how you're going to handle these situations. And so if yeah. you're open to learning and you're honest and vulnerable about the challenges you encounter, you will succeed. Those two things, that's yeah. it. Because you will have challenges. You will fail, okay? Like you will have, there will be mistakes there will be cravings. There will be like, it is never a straight line up. Okay. Yeah. There's, sure. there's a little bit up and oh, then you kind of fall down a little bit. Okay. How do we regroup? Okay. And we keep, we keep this sort of climbing up, you know, step by step. That's how you get to your, your goals and you start building these habits over time. It's that when people give up and don't communicate that nothing happens. Yeah, absolutely. All right. One thing I was like to say, you, you can't fail if you don't quit. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. If you just keep showing up, something's bound to happen. And yeah, uh, you know, um, I say it, uh, you said it in a much nicer way, but usually when I talk to people, I was like, Hey, I'm not a magician. I'm a coach. So I need you to do the things that I'm asking you to do because <laughs> it's not because you hold the plan that the body will start to melt and everything will Correct. start to transition. Right. Correct. I haven't reached that level of cleanness in my veganism to have those powers. So that's hilarious. That's you hilarious. need some type of compliance. Um, yes. So Robbie, where can people find out more about the work that you guys are doing about coaching? Uh, just to put a disclaimer, a lot of people listening are, I would say 50 are vegan, 50 are, are veg curious. Um, cool. And we do have a lot of people with, with diabetes that, that are listening to the show. So where can people learn more and kind of work with you guys? Awesome. Okay. Well, first off to the veg curious people, I want to tell you at Mastering Diabetes, we are not the food police. Okay. There's no like, oh, you can't have this. You can't have that. You can have whatever you want. What our job is as coaches is to help you understand the consequences and, and yeah. encourage you to do some experiments so you can see what's possible and then you're going to decide what to do in the long term. So it's not yeah. about perfection. It's not about like, you know, uh, wow, if you're not willing to give up this, then we just can't work with you. It's like, okay, all right, this is what you, you need in your life. Okay, let's figure out how do we get that right proportion? How do we meet that need? And also get you to meet your big, your big goals. So yeah. uh, you're, everybody's welcome at Mastering Diabetes. And the best place to find us is 
our website, masteringdiabetes.org. You can go there. If you're interested in coaching, you can talk to an enrollment specialist. It's really easy to book a call. There's a, links all over the homepage. And you can also find us on the various socials. We have our own podcast. Just go into any podcast platform, type in Mastering Diabetes. You'll find us. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We are on YouTube. We're on Facebook. And we also have our book on Amazon. And we read our own audiobook. So we had a lot of fun reading that. We added some extra information, some new science that had come out between when we submitted the manuscript and then it goes through this long process and then you get to read the manuscript. Well, there was some new science. So we talked about that in the audible version and that was fun. So uh, that's the best way to find us. Oh, beautiful. Well, for everyone listening, I'll make it easy for you. I'll put all the links down below in, in the show notes that we can just click on them. You don't have to search anything. Um, yeah, it's crazy the amount of platforms. I miss a day when it was just Facebook. Uh, that's all <laughs> you could do is just go on Facebook. Now there's just yeah. so many ways to, to be distracted and post content everywhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, all the links will be down below for everyone listening. Robbie, man, massive thank you for taking the time to, to jump on the podcast, open up, be vulnerable, and, and share some knowledge. I know that people really benefited from it. I always like to end on like words of wisdom. So anything you'd like to share with the people listening? Well, first off, I want to say thank you so much for having me on the show. You're doing amazing work. It's great to be connected. And uh, you know, yeah. we've got a lot of work to do together moving forward to, to help uplift people. And I would say... Yeah. The, the wisdom that I have for you all today, I am going to take a quote from an inspiring entrepreneur. His name is Alex Hormozy. You can look him up. But yeah. oh, one wait, of the wait, things wait, wait. that... Wait, wait, <laughs> you got wait. got the book right there, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. one thing that he says when he's you know, trying to encourage... He's kind of like a coach too himself, right? Like he's coaching entrepreneurs to, to reach their goals. Um, yeah. And we're doing that in the health field. But he says, you know, if you have like a particular goal, put in so much work that it would be unreasonable for your goal not to become true. Like, yeah. and that's the effort I'm, I want you guys to put towards your goals. I've been putting that towards, you know, the Ironman training and, and a lot of my own personal goals. And, and it feels good. Like it's totally worth it. No matter how hard or uncomfortable it might be to be changing your diet and letting go of certain foods that you know are not, that are, that are um, not helping you. Like, it's worth it. So put in that work and know that when you do, you're going to achieve your goals and it's just, it's going to happen. That's beautiful. I think you're the first person to quote Hormozy on here. So that's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, everyone, thank you very much for listening. If you're listening on YouTube, be sure to like the video, share it, comment down below if you have any questions for us or on the podcast, be sure to leave a five-star review, share it with someone that would benefit from this episode and we'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to support, please share it with others that would benefit from it. Share it on social media and be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at Maxim underscore official and on YouTube at FitVegan. The links will also be in the show notes. I'll see you in the next episode.